Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Brandon. I just want to start by saying go blue. All right, all right, all right. Actually, watched Days of Confused last night. That's hilarious that that just came out of me right there. A little McConaughey shout out there. Hands up. Hands up. Here we are on a Monday night, Chris, uh, after an absolute bender of a weekend. Um, dude, I mean, we we uh, we didn't do a show on Friday because we were cruising and locked yep. in just trying to. Wait, we didn't do a Friday show? We did not. We did not do a Friday show because we were uh, we were on the road, man, trying to road dogging it, just trying to get there and okay. turned into a you know turned into a pretty late night, and then uh, obviously covered the game, did a post game show that was all good. Michigan won <clears throat> Nebraska forty five to seven, and then it was <clears throat> pedal to the ground time, dude. You, I mean, you drove. Yeah, I was just I was just passenger princess for the weekend, but dude. What a freaking grind. And I'm still, we're not spring chickens anymore. That's one thing yeah. I've realized, Chris. Um, I was going to say, I mean, I mean, no, I know we're, we're going to talk about the football game and all the well, things yeah, that yeah. You know, we learned from, from Michigan, but I, I just feel like we have to spend a little bit of time on this. I mean, you know, uh, 11 hours was basically what it was <laughs> on. So we, we left on Friday. We drove the 11 hours. We stayed at the lion's den for anybody who's in uh, Gretna. Gretna. The red, the red lion. Thank you very much. What's the lion's den? Is that like a, an adult store? That's what it felt like in there, in that hotel. It well, felt like the, lion's den. the red lion. I'm sorry. In in beautiful Gretna, uh, Nebraska. <laughs> you should check that place out. It's phenomenal. Uh, but drove 11 hours. Stayed in Gretna. Uh, woke up early Saturday morning. Drove to the game. Covered mm -hmm. the game. Game gets out about 6:30 ish. You know, Brandon and I stopped for a bite on the way out, and then it's 11 hours straight back uh, through the night into the, the late hours of the evening, early morning. And then we, we roll into Ann Arbor at about 7, what, seven? yeah, right around 7 a.m. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, and then after that, that the, the morning we got back, I slept for like two or three hours, got up. And then drove another hour to go to my son's soccer game, <laughs> sit there like a dead body, drive an hour back, come back. So it's been, uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we went live, but man, you know, you're right. We're not spring chickens. We're, you know, mm. we're both pushing 40 and 22 hours in a car uh, <laughs> really, really takes a lot. I am still, I feel like I was on a bender. Like I went drinking all week. Yeah. Like that's really what it feels like. It's a hangover. Did not have a drop of alcohol to speak of for the whole weekend and feel None. just wiped out. Yeah. Wiped. But yeah. uh Hassler. The meat pocket. The meat pocket. We did have a runza. Both of us had a runza. Chris actually had dos runzas. <laughs> uh he just had now, to have another on, one. Like, for the record here, I do want like so 
for for those that don't know, I think we might have talked about it on the show before, but I don't eat on game days. Like no matter what time the game starts, like I don't eat before the game. It's just kind of a thing that I do. I want to work on an empty stomach. I don't want to feel heavy. I don't want to feel like I got something in my stomach. So and it was you know, 95 out this weekend, so even more. Yeah, so it was, you know, mid-90s down there, probably closer to 100 on the field. Um, didn't eat, woke up Saturday, didn't eat the entire day. And by the time we actually got to Runza's, which was somewhere near Omaha, or on the actually, it was, unfortunately, it was in Iowa by the time we hit a Runza, like right on the border. We were trying to make it part of our Nebraska stop. Didn't work. But anyway, we get there, I don't know what time it was, almost 8 o'clock. And yeah, so I, I I went back for another runza. Like I had one. It was pretty good. I've never had it quite a, a sandwich like that. It was pretty good and, and had to go back for for number two and uh, paid the I price mean, a little bit. Chris is justifying. Look, this is what Chris and I both have a tendency to do this. Chris is justifying it any way he wants. He had two runzas. All right. Yeah, I mean, that's the. Well, the I mean, that was my only meal of the day. That's justifiable. You know, two sandwiches. I mean, I had 13 diesels, dude. I mean, I had to stay hydrated, dude. I had to stay hydrated. I don't know how. Yeah, we well, we have so much to talk about from this trip. <laughs> I so really much. don't. I, learned, I really don't think we do. Listen, you. It's amazing how much you can learn about a man when you spend 22 hours in a car with him. Brandon and I were in close proximity. <laughs> uh, we've been working together now for you know almost three years, and uh, I just I learned I learned a lot on this trip. I learned a lot. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about a few things uh, that that might actually show up here uh, in in one of our uh, one of our favorite segments on a Monday. Oh boy! Well, hey, <laughs> I uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. Uh, you know, if I said uh, that I wasn't pretty sure it was coming. I, I, I thought you know we had some discussions we talked about, about it. it. We, we had yeah. some discussions. We talked about it. All right, let's get into some football. Then we'll get to that segment that we all love so much. Yep. Uh, we'll close it out with uh, burning questions, have a couple other things mixed in the middle there. Mm. So here we go. Michigan cruises. We talked about this on Saturday. Their most um, their most dominant performance, the most complete game that they had played, almost pitched a shutout for the first time in Memorial Stadium in 70 years. If it wasn't for the, uh, the 74-yard touchdown scamper at the end, that's exactly what would have happened. But Michigan rolls 45-7. to Could have been a lot worse than that. Uh, we, we act, none of us gave Michigan enough credit in this one based on what we had seen really through the first four weeks, Michigan kind of taking their foot off the pedal, um, giving up a a score or, or two here late, not being able to score once the second and third unit came in and they, they kind of did all that stuff. So it resulted in a 45 to seven win. Chris, you thought 34 to 13. I thought 31 to 10. Trent thought 34 to 10. So we were all in that same 21, 24 point victory range Michigan wins by 38 covers easily gets into the 40s for the first time this year uh again we did this on Saturday but just rethinking back now how how complete of a game that was from these guys yeah I mean I think you know for for anybody who watched it the obviously the biggest uh curiosity going into it is what would Michigan look like in their first road contest and everybody knew that you know, Nebraska wasn't uh, in the national championship hunt, but again, can be a tough environment. We've seen Michigan struggle with Nebraska on the road, particularly, I think it was back in 2021. It was like a three or four point game from what I remember. So we we've seen that the Cornhuskers can make things difficult on Michigan, but yeah, man, it was, you know, from start to finish, it was about as complete and as impressive. And there was one, uh, um, 
prominent uh, college football analyst that put it in a way that, that we'll talk about later in the show that I really think uh, captures what this Michigan football team is. You know, we kind of we watch the way they play and you've described it as like, you know, a sumo wrestler sort of leaning on someone until they just give up and fall over. And you're kind of looking for like now, look, when it comes to big explosive plays, what Roman Wilson did on that touchdown catch that, that it's going to, you're going to be hard pressed to see a better touchdown reception for the remainder of the college football season. So kudos to him, but by and large, the way Michigan operates is slow and methodical and, and uh, they take care of their business on the field. And then by the time the game's over, you look up on the scoreboard and it's another dominant win for Michigan this time on the road, it's in big 10 play. So, I mean, you usually do your three up, three down. There was nothing down. I mean, there was there was really nothing to be upset about. The only thing you could really be, uh, you know, even slightly upset about was they gave up the shutout, which would have been the first in that building for Nebraska since 1933. I mean, that I think that was right. The 30s was the last time they no, were shut no, out. No, no, no. Was it 68. 68. 68. 68. Yeah. 1968. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, they gave up the shutout late, which was a bummer to see. But outside of that, I mean, the, just a, on both sides of the ball, complete domination. There was never any point in that game where you thought Michigan was in jeopardy of losing. No, no, not even close. Dominant from start to finish. Um, just, I mean, really in, imposing their will, especially the offensive line in the running game. I mean, it got, it got to be the point where, you know, I'm looking – it, it, every time it was third and one or fourth and one or third and two, it was just like handoff, boom, 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 three, four. I mean, that's so debilit, you know, demoralizing for a, for a defense to just. Everybody knew it was coming. The Michigan yep. doesn't try to get cute or try to get tricky in those situations, and they just Nebraska had no answer for him. And Jim Harbaugh mentioned it today at the press conference, like that was by far the biggest defensive line they had played against. And Michigan's offensive line looked the best it has looked so far. So I think that's a step in the right direction. We'll get into that. It's one of my burning questions. We'll talk about the specifics of that O-line a little bit. But, Chris, going back to my predictions that we made, I ended up going four for five. Uh, I don't really know if these were if these were layups necessarily, but looking back on the game and looking at what I said, I'm like, that was almost like a no-brainer. So, anyway, number one, pretty hilarious. Chris, I actually didn't catch it. You told me that he did it. I thought he... I thought he was serving up the corn to the lineman, but I said mm -hmm. that Blake Corum will once again do the eating the corn cob celebration, and you confirmed for me that he he did do that. I'm pretty sure he took a nibble or two before okay. before passing it off and doing what you know the the celebration with the teammates. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, you had a little parlay going there, and we needed to see Blake sure. Corum get in the end zone, so that was that was great to see, and. um yeah, I mean the the corn celebration. I think JJ uh, JJ really first. take the baton there for sure. Yeah, and then the line. I, what I saw was Blake doing either like salt and pepper or something. Yeah, a little seasoning on, the, on it. Yes, yeah. on the cobs for the linemen, which I would I would say still counts. I mean, like that's part of the corn cob celebration. But listen, basically I, what I was saying was that he was going to score a touchdown again. It's base. It's almost an automatic at this point. Like when he. When Blake Corn yeah. doesn't score a touchdown, it's like, what's wrong? Like, what happened? How did that not? How did he not get in there? So, yeah, yeah that, that's pretty much what that one was leading to. We're, we're, I feel yeah, no, like I cut you off something. No, uh, I was just gonna say, uh, I don't know. We just saw a lot of corn. Uh, oh man, dude, we talked about that on Saturday too. Like endless <laughs> cornfields in Iowa and thousands of windmills that off in the distance in the dark that makes you feel like you're on another planet. Almost, it was. I have wild. never ever in my life 
on that drive through Iowa seen <laughs> as much field and grain and whatever the hell else was planted out there. As far as the eye could see, it yeah. was like it was just a highway. You know, like you imagine driving through like parts of the Middle East and it's just desert all around you and it's like a desolate road. Like that's what Iowa is, except it's cornfields. And yeah. in a lot of ways, it's really pretty. But in a lot of ways, it was, uh, I don't know, man. I just, you know, the the size of these fields out there. It's no wonder when you're driving through. I've never heard a combine commercial in my life. I heard several. <laughs> You know, commercials for seeds. No, you're you are in a different world when you're out there yeah. in Iowa, Nebraska. CJ knows he lives out there. He's he, he's in the uh, he's in the sticks. He gets it. And to 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 uh, answer CJ's question real quick, we did not stop at exit 19, and I feel like it was a missed opportunity. We we kind of saw it like last second as we we're you know I mean by that point we're six seven hours into the trip we're I, just cruising and we saw it. Say, yeah. I was like, oh, I think that was it right there, and then we saw mile marker 19. So yeah, it was. Uh, when you're in the midst of uh, you know we we're just 11 hours, 22 hours within you know uh, just over 24 hours, it's. You'd like to stop and see the sights. The only thing we really stopped and got a, a really good oh. sense of, Brandon, was the world's largest truck stop. The world's largest truck stop. We uh, we made a stop there. We were impressed by what we saw. That was in, is that in Iowa or was that in Iowa? That was Iowa. That was Iowa. Oh yeah. So for those of you who don't know, the largest truck stop in the world, and I can confirm, I was there. It was massive. It's it's a little city uh, in and of itself. Brandon and I went in there and uh, just an incredible place. I mean, if you're ever in the middle of nowhere in Iowa and you find yourself face to face with an opportunity to stop at the world's largest truck stop, you you take that opportunity. I thought Chris might come out with a hoodie. He was really eyeing a hoodie. I was about to drop 30 bucks on a hoodie there Man. and I just, you know, I couldn't bring myself to do it. But uh, incredible place. All right. Number two, Colston Loveland will score a touchdown. I, I feel like I'm 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 trying to will these dudes into the end zone. Colston Loveland and Donovan Edwards. Every week I've said one of them is going to score, and every week I've been wrong. So Col you know, it's it's, a, it's another part of my burning question I'm going to get to. But like Colston Loveland, still no scores on the season. Chris, five games in. Yeah, I mean a little bit of a surprise, and again it goes back to a lot of the stuff we heard in the preseason about how good he was, how elite he was. You yeah. know, he's making all these incredible plays um, during fall camp, and um, you know, you get into the season and it just kind of it sets the expectation for what you might see out of him. And it's been, I, I don't, you know, I find myself with a lot of these things, and even the same with what's kind of been going on with Donovan Edwards, how it hasn't really looked the way we we thought it might look. Is that there's still room for so much improvement and Michigan has played so well through five weeks that I don't know whether I should be concerned or feel even more optimistic that two of these massive weapons are largely untapped. We haven't really seen, you know, what we're accustomed to or what we would expect to see. So I, I take it more as like, uh, yeah, it's a little bit puzzling, but it gives me a lot of confidence moving forward because you know, those big performances are coming. They have to, they're just too good. I mean, that's like Jim what Harbaugh said, about said Law of averages. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. That's what we've said about Donovan Edwards the whole season. He's just too good to have stat lines like that and not find the end zone. So yeah, puzzling again for. And I didn't. I, I I decided not to predict Blake this week. I went with Loveland. Was wrong again. And Blake. I'm sorry, Donovan. And uh, and Donovan also didn't score again. So yeah, still strange. Five weeks into the season, these next two are. Uh, I mean, kind of a testament to how dominant Michigan was and. I think how skewed the numbers were for Nebraska a little bit. We talked about it leading up to the game. They were like number one or number two in the country in rushing offense and number six in rushing defense, or maybe it was the other way around. Whatever. Both of them were like top five, top six rushing offense and rushing defense. I said 
that Michigan will easily rush for more yards against Nebraska than anyone else they had played. Well, through four games, Chris, their biggest total that they had given up was 58 yards. Michigan had 249 on Saturday. So that was as lopsided as it possibly gets. And then on the flip side, I said that Michigan will hold Nebraska to the least amount of rushing yards than anybody else this year. To that point, it was 181. Michigan held them to 106. So not even close in both areas. Michigan was dominant, really kind of swung the pendulum back to where it probably closer to where it should be for a Nebraska team still figuring some stuff out. But again, speaks to the dominance and the physicality of Michigan on both sides. Yeah. And I think Matt rule said that post game that, um, you know, Michigan had a clear cut plan that they were going to come in and run the football and impose their will. And that's exactly what they did. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he views, he views the Wolverines as a blueprint for how he wants to build his football team. And when you watch these guys play from week to week, it it's weird because (laughs) for so long, Michigan wasn't there. Um, even during yeah. the early part of the Harbaugh era and to have them, you know, be looked upon as like, you know, to hear a player around the big 10 say, we prepare like we're playing for Michigan every week. Mm-hmm. And to hear another coach say, um, you know, that that's the blueprint for how we want to build a football team. It's just incredible how far this program has come under Jim Harbaugh. And it's, it's, it's exciting to watch. It's exciting to cover it. It's, you know, it's a good place to be if you're a fan. And yeah, they certainly, they did what they wanted to do on Saturday. It was clear who, uh, who was in control of that game from start to finish? Beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean that that um <laughs> that first number especially the the highest run total against Nebraska through which that's impressive. Whoever you play, the highest run total that they had given up was fifty eight yards. Like that's yeah. that's getting it done on defense. Like I said, even if you're playing, and they were two and two, so they had two losses in there and still had only given up fifty eight yards rushing. Michigan comes in and goes for 249. I mean, it, it wasn't even close. So, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty uh, a pretty impressive outing for the Michigan offensive line and backs. Kalal Mullings looked good. J.J. McCarthy, another good day running the ball. And, of course, Blake Corum found the end zone yet again. And last but not least, Chris, I said that Michigan will finally cover the spread, and they did by eh, just a little bit. It was 17 to 18 and a half, somewhere in that range. 17 and a half, 18, 18 and a half. Michigan won by 38. So, I mean, absolutely blew the doors off the spread this week and for the first time also eclipsed 40 points. So, there you go. That's a pretty good look. Not a bad little weekend out there in Lincoln, Nebraska. Not a bad little weekend. All right, I'm going to, just for a moment, just for a moment, I don't want to send Chris's audio into a into a tailspin with the over there, but we got to have it at least to introduce the uh, to at least introduce the segment that we all love. This f***ing guy. Chris, I see you through your phone and I don't like it. I do not pulling any, I'm not pulling any photographic evidence. Don't guy. worry, Brandon. I'm not going to do you dirty like you did me. Although it's, you did. No, no, that you was did like, ask for permission. Yeah. You did ask for permission. That was consensual. Yeah, it was, it was consensual. It was completely consensual. Um... Uh, All right, so there's the segment. I- I'll go first, Chris, because I think I know where you're, yeah. you're going to go, and uh, it'll be fun to close out the segment with that. I'm going to go, and everybody's saying it. I'm, it's Urban yeah. Meyer. I mean, dude, pre- for, for pregame to talk about how Nebraska has this formula, and he he leaned on the rushing offense and the rushing defense, and obviously he couldn't have been more wrong, uh, and he thought that 
that Nebraska would really give Michigan a game and that they would even upset the Wolverines. Michigan needed to be on upset watch. He was praising Matt Rule. He was doing this. He was doing that. Dude, that was not even a game from Jump Street. Like, that thing was over in a hurry. The boneyard, if you will, the uh, the student section there at Nebraska at Memorial Stadi- Stadium was damn near empty by midway uh, through the second quarter. Tons and tons of people headed for the exits very, very early in that one. I, I ended up, I don't even think I told you this, Chris. You were down on the field already. I was riding up in an elevator with a, uh, a Nebraska fan, and I just, you know, there's a bunch of people on there. It's taking a while. Doors open, doors closed. You know, I'm like, so how do, how do you see it today? You know, he was, he actually, he, normally I don't do the talk to the guy on the elevator thing, but the lady that was pressing the buttons was like, okay, we're going to floors three, six, nine. And the guy next to me goes, damn, Chofat. Like he he rapped the Ying Yang twin song. And I'm like, all right, this this guy's this guy's cut from the same cloth. So I I leaned over to him. I asked him how he thought Nebraska was gonna do, and he said, Oh, we're gonna get killed today. So yeah. it was like, you know, he like some people knew, some people certainly knew that they just weren't a match for Michigan. Urban Meyer, who makes a lot of money to talk on TV, apparently i don't know like that that was just such a weird take i mean we all know he doesn't like michigan that's fine but you still have to find some level of of objectivity when you're doing that job and that was as far off as you could have possibly been when it comes to pregame analysis just looked like a i mean do you want to talk about looking like a dink chris that was putting the ass in a now ass ass yeah well, yeah that works we'll go with it just a just a dink dude it sounded like an idiot I don't remember how the other people on, I think Brady Quinn might've even been like, well, I don't really see it that way. Like almost yeah. immediately. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it just, I think it Urban just, Meyer's really just trying thing. to, he's trying to speak it into existence because he can't, yeah, I don't maybe. know that he can even stomach another repeat of the last two years, particularly because big noon kickoff was on hand for pretty much every Michigan dominant <laughs> yeah. win. And he had to true. sit there and he had to watch it. it a lot. Watched, watched uh, Urban Meyer uh, kiss J.J. McCarthy on the cheek, pretty much eat his earlobe uh, during the last <laughs> Big Ten championship game. I got a really good photo of that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's been struggling after the last two years. But, you know, that's, you know, some of these guys, I mean, Urban Meyer's a Buckeye. And, you know, he, he, yeah. he can't help but have a little bit. Of, we see it with De- Desmond Howard on college game day all the time. We absolutely love him for it. And I think uh, I think Urban's just trying to, you know, steer the universe in a certain direction, but uh, the Wolverines were having none of it on Saturday. Before we yeah. before we do move on, uh, I do want to acknowledge Chris Fields on uh, YouTube uh, submitted a, a super oh, chat yeah, yeah. That, that we missed on. before we got into the segment. Loveland is not Andrew Anthony, boys. It isn't deja vu. Uh, I, for the first time in a long time, fully believe everyone will eat this season. And I, I, I think uh, Brandon and I agree we're on the same page. Um, it's a little puzzling, you know, that we haven't seen it yet, but I do agree. I, you know, to me, when it comes to Colson Loveland and what comes to, you know, even Donovan Edwards, it's, it's inevitable. It's surprising. You haven't seen it through five weeks, but I think with both of those guys, it's inevitable that you're going to see them make big time plays down the stretch. Cause quite frankly, I think Michigan's going to need it. You know, as you get into the latter part of that schedule, throwing Maryland in there, you've got at yeah. Penn state, you've got at Maryland, and then you're back home against Ohio state. You're going to need your playmakers to make big time plays and, and Colson Loveland and, and Donovan Edwards certainly fit into that mold. So yeah, no, no, uh, no hard feelings there, Chris. I apologize. I had the starred, I had the starred comment pulled up. And Brandon screwed it. It's okay. It's okay. He screwed know. it up. It's fine. It's fine. It happens. We haven't been getting enough. If you guys would like to, uh, up them. <laughs> We're not used <laughs> to it, to be honest, Chris. We're yeah. really not used to it. There's a reason no. Rosie's not out on the road this year. No, thank oh, you. And I, did, 
I did see somebody ask that too. Is Rosie done for good? She's not. She's not done no. for good. We have no. some home game plans for her and maybe a, an, at least one potential road game uh, as well. So, no, we're, she's not done. She's a little bit sidelined right now, working through some things, but that's uh, mm-hmm. that's about it. That's about it. She's not she's not retired just yet. All right, Chris, the floor is yours. The floor is yours. I mean, I I really struggle with this one, Brandon, because I, I was going through a list of things that I wanted to really single out from our trip. <laughs> and there was a part of me that was like, okay, do I go do I go with the solo karaoke days and nights in the house? Mm. No, I don't do that. Do I do I go with the survivalist, Brandon? Um, you know, the, the guy who thinks he would thrive in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. <sighs> I'm not going to go there. Mm-hmm. I think the sticking point for me out of, I know out, of what it is. out of everything we talked about that I just find the most egregious, the most offensive, the most mm. uh, unforgivable is, is really the word it comes to. We were driving in the car. And uh, we, you know, obviously we're listening to Pandora. We got the music playing, and uh, somehow or another, it comes. Brandon, for those of you who don't know, Brandon Brown is a massive Nickelback. No, no you might, don't need to use that might, adge- adjective. He might be no. running a fan page somewhere that I'm unaware of under a burner account. Big time, big time Nickelback fan. Fair to say, big time. I'll take big time. Massive is a, b- a bit much. Well, okay, if there's not a huge gap between massive and big time, <laughs> I think, you know, I think if, you, if you got a big time performance on the field and a massive performance on the field, it's those are pretty close performance. Either way, big big fan of the band Nickelback. Uh and and the Smashing Pumpkins came on and we were listening to them and Brandon goes uh, first of all, not a fan of the Pumpkins, which fine, okay, doesn't really resonate with anybody, but then goes on to say that Nickelback basically runs laps around the smashing pumpkins and my Correct. head explodes and and Brandon is is very defensive of of Nickelback. He comes to their, you know, he he wants to defend them. He was looking up the numbers and how many albums sold. And I told Brandon flat out I said, "We're taking this to the show because right now I'm offended. I don't know, <laughs> you know, I don't know that our relationship will ever be the same after this. We need to take it to the people." He thought you folks out there in the comments would come to his defense, you know, basically say, point out that Nickelback is just a good, solid band, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And so for that reason, based on what I'm seeing in the comments here, Brandon, I, you know, you might be you might be on an island out there. You might well, be on Nickelback Island. This is like just you is and like Chad Kroger always, out there. This is like what I always say. If you go to a restaurant and you read the Yelp reviews, all you're going to see are the loudmouths who want to be heard and the negative we, people, this, this, this country and this society, <laughs> Oh, the country thrives, thrives in the negative thrives. Chris, here we go. We it's see the it. country's fault. Now we see it on articles. We see it on Billy Corgan is better than Chad Kruger at what sounding like a pansy. I will agree. Sounds like he's crying all day. He needs a hug. Someone go hug Billy Corgan, please listen. If you go to Yelp, the only things you see are the negative comments, which is what we're seeing right now. It's the people who want a dog. It's Look at this photograph. Now, listen, <laughs> I did say that that's one of the worst ones in their catalog. Okay. It's bad. And it happens to be their most popular. <laughs> no, it's not their most popular. Come on. Come on. What are we doing here? 
Look, we got a couple. We got a couple Nickelback scragglers in here, but uh, I don't know, man. I think by and large, listen, you're, uh... <laughs> they've sold double the albums that Smashing Pumpkins has has sold in less time. I may oh. add. Sure, I'm some. I'm sure someone will have an excuse and some explanation for that. But look, this is just like with Michigan, right? Michigan's got the most wins ever, and Michigan fans love to spout that thing off. And people will come out and say, "Well, but." 300 of the wins came before the forward pass and before integration and before this. You, guys, that. you, can you, you guys can't, hear it? you can't can you have both the, sides of the coin. Can you hear the, hear the way he's defending. You hear the numbers, way he's defending back right now, the passion behind it. Numbers are numbers. Okay. <laughs> double, double the album sales. Okay. Uh, and, 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 and this is what I, this is what I dealt with. This is what I dealt with in the vehicle. Saw them in concert in July. Fire. The show was phenomenal. It was an incredible show. I was singing my lungs out the whole time. Anybody I told Brandon, up? and I stand by this, I would rather get a colonoscopy than go to a free Nickelback. I, I'm getting to the age where I need one anyway, so I think it would be a productive use of my time. I swear on my children, I would do that before I would go to a Nickelback concert for free. That's, That's just insanity. where I'm at with it. That's insanity. That's insanity. I don't think so. I don't think so. But for that reason, Brandon, and you guys could hear it. You know, he, he's a big time, massive fan. He, he didn't like the word massive, but uh, strong defense of the, the band uh, Nickelback oh, there. Fletch. And for, and for that reason, uh, Brandon is my TFG of the week. Fletch, there's there's no guilty pleasure. They're legit. It's, I don't need to put my windows up and hide when I listen. That's the thing. If he, had, if he had said they were a no. guilty pleasure, then maybe no, no. I could. Okay, maybe I could accept it. A guilty pleasure. We all have those those bands, those songs out there that are guilty pleasure. This he doesn't view them that way. Brandon views Nickelback the way a lot of people view the Beatles. It's 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 like <laughs> it's strange. <laughs> no. It's well, unacceptable. For, for the record, I don't really like the Beatles, but that's that's a that's a that's a little bit of a stretch. I I those I wouldn't put those words in my own mouth, so I don't think you should do it either. That was hyper, that's that's Alex Orgy's the best kick returner on the planet level hyperbole right now. Not, like, not quite. Not quite. What I just said was a little closer to the truth. Let's pump the brakes just a little bit on that, but. Listen, here's the deal. Jeff Weimer brings up a couple of good points. Look, I, I know all the reasons in the music world why Nickelback is not wildly respected. Billy Corgan might be better at singing, at, at writing lyrics. Oh, you had it singing as well, yes. Singing, absolutely not. His voice is is it's such it's such a it's the same reason I don't like Mr. Bright. This is how you remind me. It's so wimpy and horrible sounding that i can't a, do it it's a style it's it's unique it's rock and roll hall of fame-esque it's a shitty one no. it can be it no. can be a style jinko jeans also no, listen, a style for his we've got we've got two egregious trains of thought here a the the love of nickelback and b the flat-out hatred of the smashing pumpkins that's hate. like that's like hate red them. flag red flag you know we're we're in uh we're in uncharted waters here. I can't even do it. I can't even do his voice. It's too whiny. I don't even have that. I don't even have that range. And I've got range, brother. Chris, you know it. You know it. Your I'm neighbor surprised. knows it. That's for I'm sure. Surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't mention the tie-dye or the black forces even. You didn't even I get know, into I that. Was, he, 
there were so many things that I was going to go into. Since you brought it up, I will say it. As Brandon shows up, as we're about to embark on our uh, road trip to to Nebraska, no less, Brandon shows up in a tie-dye shirt and black Air Force Ones. Correct. Very comfortable. That's what I'm going to say. A tie-dye shirt, black Air Force Ones. Very comfortable uh, road attire. Very comfortable road attire. Um, uh, No, I didn't wear the chains. Chris said if I had had the chains on, it might have been a discussion. He was about to wear necklaces and pearl necklaces and feather necklaces with black Air Forces. I mean, it was it was almost something that you go into like uh, Spirit of Halloween and you pick it out. You know what I mean? Like we're venturing on on that territory here. So, Brandon, like I said, there were a lot of things that I was going to bring up that I could have brought up. But to me, the Nickelback thing, I mean, I I just couldn't know. Incredible song. Incredible song. I just yeah. can't do it, dude. I, I would smack that guy if I saw him. I would That's, smack him. It's just it's so offensive to hear you talk that way. His name's Billy, dude. Correct. That's what a phenomenal name for the What adult man goes by Billy? I don't know. You're again, you're in defense of a man named Chad. No offense to any Chads out there, but come on now. Yeah, let's see who who offends more people with that. Me offending adult men named Billy or you Chad. (laughs) Chads. Damn, Billy Corgan's kind of big. I thought he was a little pipsqueak. He's homeboy six three. I better pipe it down a little bit. Anyway, when it comes to Billy Corgan. Anyway, um, yeah, it was a funny discussion, the back and forth for uh, Nickelback. The As you can see yeah, from the the amount of time we've taken. Uh, sorry about that, Chad Zolman. It's, look, it's just not a rock and roll <laughs> name as far as for me. That's all I was it late. is. Chad, I, Chad isn't a bad name. If there's any Billies in here, I'm coming to your defense as well. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not a, Chad is not a bad name. It's just, it's not I'll a rock and roll name. There will be no Billies in here unless they're 10 or under. So we're good. That's part of the point I was making. Thank you. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, obviously we spent quite a bit of time uh, on this topic on our 11 hour road trip. And and for that reason, uh, Brandon was my TFG of the week. Excellent. Look Excellent. at this photograph. I, Every I think, time uh, I do, it makes me laugh. Yeah. Billy Jean's a girl. So slightly, <laughs> slightly different example there. Rob, anyway, here we go, Billy. Look at this, Billy. We finally we have an adult Billy in the comment section, and you've managed to offend him. Congratulations, Brandon. You are on a heater tonight. Apologies, that's not, his, that's not his real name. I'm not worried that's about that. I'm not worried name. about that. Um, every time I do it, makes me laugh. Okay, I, I've I've conceded that photograph is a lame song. Okay, I understand. You can't say what the hell is on Joey's head in a lyric. What is that on Joey's head? Terrible. I understand. I understand. Okay. I'm just in the crowd teary-eyed. Every band out there has a song that blows. We also talked about that. (laughs) They all have a couple stinkers. You've been selling 50 million albums for two decades. You're bound to have one bad one. Okay? That's all I'll say. (laughs) All right. Let's go. Let's get back to football. Because Do we still have anybody hell, watching this show? My we goodness. actually have more than when we started, which is which is pretty funny. Um, 
We're 35 <laughs> minutes in, and I, I just, I don't know. I'm, 35 I'm go. minutes in, and we just spent 25 minutes on, on Nickelback. I'm going to go in my room and listen to Nickelback's greatest hits, which is so long. I don't even know if I can fit in uh, before I go to bed. Um, and then uh, and then I'll listen to the one good song by Smashing Pumpkins and, and t- call it a night. Um, all right, here we go. Pro football focus quickly, Chris. I mean, it's probably not a surprise who's number one and number two on offense. I was a little surprised by who was number one and number two on defense. Would you like to venture a guess for number one and number two highest graded players for Michigan on offense in this one? I would go J.J. McCarthy and Khalil Mullings. You would be very – well, you know what? Khalil Mullings did have an off-the-chart score, but he only played eight snaps, and I do a 15-snap minimum. So that you're not Ah, wrong. All right. You're not wrong. He he just didn't play enough. J.J. McCarthy was number two. Mm. Number one? It's your boy. Offensive lineman? Roman Wilson? Roman Wilson. Dude, the catches? The two catches by Roman? Okay. All right. I just thought that would be too easy. Well, yeah, Roman Wilson won, uh, J.J. McCarthy two, A.J. Barner, number three, had a good game, caught a couple first downs, uh, has been solid as a blocker once again, played more snaps than Colston Loveland, I think only by one this week, but had a good game for himself. And Chris, I'm going to ask you to take a couple guesses because I was pretty surprised, not because I didn't think they didn't play well, but I just, I don't know if I would have went there off rip. So for the defensive side of the ball, do you have any guess for one through three? Three names that uh, I don't think we've talked about before on this list. Josiah Stewart. That would have been a good one to guess, but he did not make the top three. He did not. Okay. Uh, I mean, Kenneth Grant, uh, Junior Colson's usually a safe bet. It's, that, that, that would have been my three. So number one with the highest score of anybody, 91.6, Derek Moore. Derek Moore with the highest graded score per pro football focus. Mike Barrett came in at number two at 88.1. And mm. Braden McGregor, who has slowly but surely been getting better and better each yeah. week. He had the tipped pass that led to the interception by Kenneth Grant. I think he might have also – did he get a sack on Saturday? He did get he a, sack, a sack, and it was impressive. He yeah. he treated that uh, that offensive tackle like he was a child. If you go yeah, back so he he's been playing better and better each week, and I mean, dude, you named a few other guys who I I may have guessed as well. I know Ken, Kenneth Grant would have popped in my head because of the pick, mm-hmm. and he's been pushing the pocket. Wasn't Josiah Stewart? Stewart uh, Big yeah, Ten two sacks. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so those would have been the two that I may have guessed, but again, there's a lot more that goes into it. Block shedding is part of it. Making tackles when you're supposed to. Not missing tackles. Being in the correct zone. I mean, there's a lot of things. It's not. You know, it's not just about, oh, Josiah Stewart had two sacks. He may have also missed two tackles. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but like that's that's kind of how that gets factored in a little bit. So pretty cool to see some new names up there, including one Braden McGregor, who I know you and I are both uh, really pulling for. I mean, just, Mm -hmm. you know, you go back to his recruitment and local kid. And I know we we talk about the drip, dude, and just how he looks out there on the field. And uh, he's really starting to play with a lot of confidence. He actually spoke today at the press conference and, and talked about that. Like things feel like they're slowing down. Like, I feel like I can do whatever I want. There's, you know, coming off a big knee injury is tough for, for a lot of athletes. And, uh, he's talking, he's talking like a guy who doesn't even, doesn't even think about it anymore. And he's, he's starting to play like it too. So pretty cool to see some of those names up there. Mike Barrett, Derek Moore, Braden McGregor on defense, Roman Wilson, JJ McCarthy, and AJ Barner on the offensive side of the ball. All right. 
20 minutes to try to finish out these burning cues, Chris. Are you? Uh, do you Good think luck. we can do it? Do you think we can't do it? Not in 20 okay. minutes. Not if we start talking about Nickelback again. It's one of my burning right. questions. I'm getting. Well, I got all I got all the answers when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to my Canadian brothers. All right, all right. Black you want to on the border? North of the border. You want to start us off? Or you want me to get it going? I'll, I'll, let, let me start us off here, Brandon. All right. uh, we touched on him a little bit here during the show. Roman Wilson again, um, just another incredible performance. Uh, two touchdowns on Saturday. His pace actually right now of 1.6 touchdowns per game uh, would be enough to break Desmond Howard's single-season touchdown record of 19 during the regular season. Roman Wilson is on pace to break Howard's single-season record in 1991. Oh, by the way, the year he won the Heisman Trophy. So I'm just going to put it to you like this. We've seen him now through five weeks. It doesn't look like a flash in the pan. It looks like Roman Wilson is legit. He's made, like I said, what's arguably the top catch of the year. It's going to be hard to find somebody who can pull in something tougher than that. Does Roman Wilson set the new single-season record for touchdowns? Now, keep in mind, you've got a Big Ten championship game. You've got a potential playoff run. Does Roman Wilson get it done? Man. And, and here's, here's more perspective. Roman Wilson's got eight through five weeks. The last Michigan wide receiver that had eight touchdown receptions in a single season, Don, Donovan Peoples-Jones in 2018. So Roman Wilson has already tied that, and we're not even halfway through the season. I've I've got to say no. That number it just sounds insane. But he he's cooking, dude. I mean, you you we're we're approaching the midway point of the season, and it, that yeah, that's not flash in the pan territory anymore. He has shown that he can get open. He catches everything. He's faster than everybody. He's quicker than everybody. He's stronger than he looks. He can turn short gains into long ones. He, uh, I mean, dude, if he's three inches taller, he's a top five draft pick. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's, that's going to be the one knock on him is that he's not very big. That's it. There is nothing else about Roman Wilson that you wouldn't create in a laboratory when it comes to playing the wide receiver position. He's also tough as hell and willing to block downfield and a great teammate by all accounts. I mean, like he checks every single box except for he's, He's probably 5'10, 5'11. He's just not that big. But that number's just crazy, dude. I mean, when we started the season out and you look at, you know, what Michigan's wide receivers have or have not done, I guess, until this up until this point, that number just looked like it was never going to be touched. At least yeah. not while Jim Harbaugh was in town. And now, yeah, if you just double his production, he'll be at 16 touchdowns with two regular season games to go. Yeah. I don't know if he can keep the up biggest that. regular season games to go. I don't know if he can keep up that pace, that pace, but it sure looks like he can. I'm still going to say no because it's just such a crazy number, but why why? I guess I'd argue with my own self and say like why can't he? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm going to say no, but it's it's insane that we're talking about it right now because it just didn't seem like it was ever going to happen with this offense. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to say it just based on what we've seen so far and yeah. how important he is to the passing offense. We do believe that J.J. McCarthy is going to break the single-season passing touchdown record, and Roman Wilson is going to be a huge part of that. And, and for further context or comparison, through five weeks during that 1991 season, Desmond Howard had 10 touchdown receptions, Roman Wilson at eight through, through the first uh, five weeks. So again, 
They're not that far off. Roman Wilson has the luxury of probably playing a few more games under his belt. Desmond Howard did it in 12 games during 91, including the bowl game. I think the Wolverines are going to get more than, well, I know they're going to get more than 12 this year, regardless of what happens. Um, he's just, he's so critical to what Michigan does offensively. He's too fast, too strong. He's got too much athleticism to see him not continue to at least average what he's done through the first five weeks of the season. I would, I think would be more of a surprise if he doesn't pass it than if he does, that's the kind of pace he's on right now. Um, and, and again, it's not like it's been all easy, all simplified thing. I mean, he is making plays. He's a playmaker. That's what he does. And I think we're going to continue to see it through the remainder of the season. I don't think we've seen his best game as a Wolverine yet. They've got some big-time matchups coming up in the latter part of the season. He's going to have to be a big part of it if they get the W. Roman Wilson is going to set the single-season touchdown record as a wide receiver, and that's something that for as good as I thought he was going to be this year, I didn't have that on my bingo card either, but it sure looks like, I mean, he's on pace to do it and I, I think it's going to happen. Yeah. And I see some people throwing out, you know, short wide receiver names. Yeah, there, there are some, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't play the position at that height. I'm saying, you know, you mentioned Tyreek Hill, not a high draft pick. I saw somebody else mention uh, Julian Edelman, not a high draft. I mean, these, they just don't get drafted that high. They don't, you know, on yeah. the, on I the scale of, that was your overall point, right? His he's a yeah, yeah. pick if he's got the the extra inches. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like I, I dude, I would take him on my NFL team seven days a week and twice on yeah. Sunday. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, even though he's gonna be extremely productive, he's going to test well because he's fast, he's strong, he's put together. It's it's just the it's just the nature of that position. You know, I mean, like Roman Wilson is is having a much better season than Marvin Harrison Jr., but he's never gonna be talked about like him. How about this for yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. has got three touchdown receptions on the season. How about this? R Roman Wilson's eight touchdowns are double the next closest in the Big Ten. It's the, I, I think it's a guy for Purdue and maybe somebody for Indiana. They've got four touchdowns each. I mean, he's doubling up the next closest guy in the Big Ten. That's how good of a season he's having. I just think people... Uh, I mean, I know locally they love Roman Wilson, but I don't know that nationally Roman Wilson's getting the love he deserves, and, and I well, think that's going to change pretty quick. I was actually going to say that because Jim Harbaugh mentioned today because I think somebody asked about Colston Loveland, and <clears throat> I think he did. He only have one catch on Saturday, and he hasn't scored like we've talked about. Sure. And 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 Harbaugh said like he's getting double teamed. Like teams are very aware of the damage that he could do in the middle of the field, and they're trying to take him away. <laughs> I'm wondering when you're going to start seeing that with Roman. You're going to have to start bracketing, dude. You're going to have to put a guy yeah. over the top and dedicate two defenders to him, or he's going to burn you for two touchdowns a game. That's what he's done almost every week. And so, yeah, it's it's pretty impressive what he's doing. I would expect at some point teams start to make a game plan revolving around him, and then, oh, damn, now you do that. Now you've got one less guy in the box. Here comes Blake Corum. Here comes Donovan Edwards. Here comes J.J. McCarthy out the back door on a keeper. I mean, like, pick yep. your poison, man. Take your pick and, and try to live with it, and that's that's why I think Michigan still does have several levels to get to when it comes to this offense. It's it's twenty it's piece coming incredible. for number one, a twenty Woo! piece. That would be that would be the way to rock the number one jersey to about twenty touchdowns. He's certainly doing it justice. Yes. Um. All right, Chris, sticking on the offensive side of the ball, but looking at that O line, Miles Hinton was in full uniform and went through warmups, but he did not play on Saturday. Instead, they shifted 
Carson Barnhart back over to right tackle, which is where he played last year when they won the Joe Moore Award, and they brought out Ladarius Henderson in at left tackle, and that was the best that this running game has looked all season. I don't think anybody would debate that. Is that your new starting offensive line moving forward, regardless of Miles Hinton's health? Yeah, I would say unless, you know, unless something changes in game where it's it's starting not to work, but it, it looked pretty damn good on Saturday. And I think Sharon Moore said it in a press conference um, a couple of weeks ago is that they're evaluating. They've got so many guys that yeah, can play yeah. on that offensive line that they're evaluating it week to week, game by game. And based on what we saw against Nebraska, I see zero reason to change it against Minnesota. So I think you keep riding that until you see a reason to, to shuffle it around. And man, what a luxury for Michigan to have that where like, if things aren't working well, you know, at right tackle, left guard, whatever it is, like you have pieces that you can move and put in place um, because they're just so deep at that, uh, at those positions. Yeah. Um, Braid McGregor talked about today how on the defensive line they have what's called the rally group. You get four in, four out, four, you know, it's, it's like you go as hard as you can for four plays and then you look mm -hmm. over there and you've got the rally group coming in to take your spot and they're going to go hard for four plays and that's just how they do it. Jim Harbaugh said that they may start implementing that a little bit along the offensive line because they just have so many guys yeah. who can play and you can keep dudes fresh. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect the core three to move. You've got Keegan Zinner and Drake, yeah. Drake Nugent. I think that that group's staying in there, but when you've had some ups and downs at the tackle spot and now miles Hinton is apparently working through something a little bit. Um, You've got multiple guys who can do it out there. How about Jeff Percy's apparently playing guard now too? Mm. Started at left tackle last year when Ryan Hayes was out, and now he, he was in the game at right guard late down the stretch. You've got Andrew Gentry, who Jim Harbaugh is always praising. He's a dude, that dude's big as hell. They are so big, dude. When you're down on the field, like Miles Hinton, I know he was out and he didn't play. Dude's enormous, and, yeah. and you know maybe he he got pushed out of his spot. You know, so be it. Um, but I, I do, I think so too. I mean, it looked like I said. I, I think, I think Nebraska's rush defense was skewed a little bit of how good they were. But like I said, you play four games, and the most rushing yards you give up is fifty-eight. I don't really care who you play. That means you've got a decent run defense. And Michigan yeah. did whatever they wanted. So I think, I think that's your new group moving forward. All right, man, we're going to stick with offense a little bit. Uh, everybody that watched the game on Saturday saw it, and we've seen it kind of now happen a few times this season. Khalil Mullings at running back. Look, I know he's, what, third on the depth chart, but when he's in and when he gets an opportunity, he certainly makes the most of his opportunities. On Saturday, he had 43 yards and one touchdown on just five carries. And to compare that to Donovan Edwards, Edwards had 48 yards on 14 carries. Again, didn't find the end zone. So here's my question to you, Brandon. Is Khalil Mullings still going to be that third option at running back as the season goes on? Or are you starting to see a scenario where this guy might work himself into that RB2 spot before the season's over? I still think I still think that Donovan Edwards is RB2, and I think it for a couple reasons. And I think he will I think I think Khalil Mullings is is exactly what he needs to be for this offense. He is your Short yardage, power back, grind it down at the end when you want to get the other two guys out. And he looks like his legs are super fresh. He's 235. He's hard to tackle. He's got way more wiggle than I think a lot of people thought that he would. I mean, yeah. he's making guys miss in the hole, giving little head and shoulder fakes. I mean, he's got enough long speed. I think he's I think he's gonna stay exactly where he I don't know why you would change it. 
what he's doing is working very well. I know Donovan is still a little slow out of the gate, but he's still the best pass catching back on your on your roster. So he works well in those early downs and is certainly on third down when you need to maybe have a back in there to pass pro. I think he's been billed as one of the better pass protectors because he's used to it. He's more of a receiver and he, he's really good at flaring out and catching the ball out of the backfield. So I think you leave it exactly how it is, but it sure is nice to know that if Donovan just isn't getting it right or, you know, knock on wood, he does get a little banged up. Mullings can play RB two and be just fine. And maybe, maybe even more productive than you were more production than you were getting out of Donovan, which seems crazy based yeah. on what we thought at the beginning of the season, but he has looked, he has looked really good. I mean, like to the point where you're like, damn, I kind of wish he was that running back a couple seasons ago instead of yeah. just recently moving <laughs> over from defense because it does look very natural for him. And he's 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 a handful, man. That late in the fourth quarter, there's a reason why he's running for six, seven, eight yards a pop. Like nobody wants to mess with that, you know, late in the fourth quarter when you're down 30. Yeah, I, look, I, I agree. I think um, we've talked about it a number of times. I said, I think I even said it on this show. For Edwards, it, it feels more like it's inevitable that that it's going to pop, that things are going to happen. He's going to find the end zone. But in terms of just earning reps, I, I find a hard reason to believe why Khalil Mullings should be, you know, should only have five carries next week. I mean, this is a guy that's proven every time he gets the ball in his hands, he's a hard runner. Like you said, he's got a little more shiftiness to him than than he thought. Um, he can obviously find the end zone when he gets out in open space. He can, you know, he can turn on the jets a little bit. And he is that power short yardage back where, you know, if Michigan needs to keep a drive alive, you can rely on him. And so is he going to overtake Edwards as the number two? You know, I think the jury's still out on that. But what I would say is, Based on what he's done so far, the patience he's had, switching positions, and how effective he's been in limited reps, I would love to see Khalil Mullins get more carries. I mean, shit, bump it up to 10 carries on every Saturday. You know, give him the ball until he proves that he shouldn't have the ball anymore. That's that's how I feel about him. Um, he has been by far and away my personal biggest surprise, positive surprise this year. Didn't expect much out of him at the running back position. It's been pretty impressive to see the way he carries the football and what type of impact he can have again in limited reps. So yeah, does he overtake that number two spot? No, but you know, when Edwards is getting 14 carries and Mullings is having five, I think, you know, maybe there should be a discussion there about shifting that a little bit. You know, you move Edwards out to the slot, you see what he can do there and you give Mullings more run in the backfield. So you've got 19 carries between the two of those guys. You say maybe more like 10 and nine or I mean, 10 and nine. down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, again, let's, let's see what he can do with more. I mean, I, we really haven't seen what Khalil Mullings is fully capable of, but in limited reps, he looks pretty damn good. Yep. I would agree with that. And All most right, importantly, Chris. he's keeping drives alive. I mean, that counts yeah. for a whole hell of a lot. Like if, if you're running back, like, yeah, I'm sure it feels good to go out there and get the one yard that you need, but you also, I mean, you're keeping those drives going. You want to be on the field too. Make no mistake. Khalil Mullings, like, yeah, people might view him as like third down short yardage, fourth down short yardage, but he he views himself differently, I'm sure. Yeah, Sharon Moore talked about that. He said, the, you know, the the value in the, I forget what word he used. It wasn't like peace of mind, but it was, it was like the value and just the feeling you get when you're in offense and you take the ball all the way down until the game is over. Like, you yeah. don't score. You don't kick a field goal. You don't punt it. You just move the ball until the game is over with 
And he said Kalel Mullings was like the single biggest reason they were able to do that against Rutgers. It was just give it to 20, give it to 20, give it to 20. And he just kept going six yards, first down, seven yards, first down. He carried it six times in a row, and they just let the clock run out and game over. I mean, as an OC and an O-line coach, you know he's loving that. You know the linemen are loving it. And Mullings is is showing that that he can absolutely absolutely carry the water. If Donovan does – Keep. I don't. I hate. And I, I want to make that clear because I see. Man. I, yeah, I see it in the comments. Nobody's advocating that Khalil Mullings should take over for Donovan Edwards. It's just we've seen now through five weeks what the numbers look like, and and Khalil has been pretty impressive in limited reps. And I think really the question is, should we see Khalil Mullings get more of a run, more reps moving forward? And I, I certainly think he's proven that and earned that in in the reps that he's had. <laughs> I just saw the Nickelback comment. Good. I didn't want to go that that hard, but you know, that's about how I feel. All right, oh, Chris, again. this is this that's is something. Just <laughs> this is something we've talked about a, a few times now because it's popped up in multiple games for Michigan this year. And this one had this one would have would have had a lot more a lot more juice with it. The shutout, the defensive shutout. Hasn't had not happened uh, on Nebraska's home field since 1968. Mm. We were talking about it up in the booth, and then all of a sudden, this track you know track speed guy that was it. That was that dude's first carry of the season, by the way. 74 yard touchdown right up the middle. A lot of speed. Nobody could catch him. And you've got backups and freshmen and some walk-ons in there. So, Chris, I just want you to talk about the the phenomenon that is losing a shutout at the end of the game like that. Would you do it that way? How do you feel about it? What do you think Jesse Minter's – and I think we talked about this a little bit. I think you said that Minter brought up his philosophy on it. But you know the starters want the goose egg. You know Minter wants it. You know all the defensive coaches want it. And you know those young players out there don't want to be on the field being the ones giving it up. So what's your overall take on losing a shutout when really like they could have had it with ease if they wanted to? You know, to me, it's, it's the – those are pretty points. Those are style points. At the end of the day, survive and advance and stay healthy. Yeah. And I think Michigan's doing exactly that. Like, you know, if you shut out Nebraska um, last Saturday, but you, you know, you lose in Happy Valley or, you, you know, you, a player goes down and gets injured or, or it, ultimately you don't win the Big Ten and you don't win a national championship, nobody's going to look back on the on the shutout against Nebraska and, and print T-shirts for that. So, to me, that's the the value is low. Yeah, you would love to see Michigan continue that and the young guys be able to finish it off. But at the end of the day, that's a learning experience for them. They obviously need to get better. Those are going to be the guys replacing the, you know, the twenty something draft picks that Michigan could have in the upcoming draft. Those guys are getting valuable reps. Michigan's putting them in the spot where they can get those reps. And at the end of the day, the biggest thing, like I said, is you win, you advance, you stay healthy, and you live to fight the next week. And that's what Michigan's doing. So. Does it suck losing the shutout? Yeah, a little bit, but not as much as it feels good winning convincingly and and keeping everybody healthy. Yeah, I just, uh, it just, I know it. It frustrates me up there watching. So you, you know, the players are frustrated. You know, the coaches are a little frustrated. I saw somebody say though, it does, it does get young guys, um, walk-ons, backups on the field in a game situation for film. I mean, they can go right to that play and say, why the hell did this happen? You know, yeah. uh, Cameron Calhoun, I think, might have been in the game at that point. Jair Hill, some of those really young corners. Like, 
Where were you supposed to be at? What angle did you take right here? Why does it, the defensive lineman might not have been gap sound? Like, why did that guy who carried it for the first time all season go through the line untouched and, and make it all the way to the end zone? So there there is value in it. And I think that's what I believe, Chris, you said Jesse Minner explained it that way. Like, yeah, we, it, we just use it as a teachable moment. We'll look at it. We'll do this with it, whatever. Um, but it sucks. I mean, that, especially in that situation where it hadn't happened at Nebraska in 70 years and Michigan might've been able to say that they did that. I, you know, that would have been cool, but yeah, grand scheme, probably better for the long run, but you really would have liked to see that goose egg up there uh, when the clock hit zero for sure. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I mentioned this earlier in the show. I talked about how one analyst described Michigan, what I felt was perfectly. And look, this guy's been on my shit list as of late. One Mr. Joel Klatt, who's been, uh, who's been just slurping everything uh, coming out of Columbus lately. Uh, the, the Buckeyes had a bye week, so I think his shift or his focus shifted back to Michigan. And recently he described Michigan this way. He said he compared their brand of football to a boa constrictor. He said it's not explosive, it's not flashy, but it moves slowly and methodically. He said it's death eventually and inevitably, which I absolutely loved as a description of what this Michigan football team is. Given what you've seen the first five weeks, is this brand of football good enough, as is, to win a national championship? Yeah, and it's part. It's partially because of Michigan, and it's partially because of the field. There, there isn't a Georgia team from two seasons ago. You know, there isn't an LSU from, from the Joe Burrow season where he threw a billion touchdown passes. Everybody besides Michigan has struggled with a quote unquote inferior opponent. Michigan has not been tested. I mean, they've won every game by a sizable amount. They have not given up double digit points in any game. And really, if you look at all of their games, aside from the Rutgers game where they scored very early, it's been garbage points. That's all Michigan has given up. Yeah. And so the defense is traveling. The defense is good against all types of offenses. Everybody on that side of the ball is getting better and more healthy. I mean, the you know, the I think Rod Moore played like 15 snaps or something. He didn't play half the snaps this week. He's still getting better. Will Johnson still doesn't quite look 100%, even though he's playing a lot. Um, obviously, Mason Graham has been out for two weeks in a row now. He's one of the best interior defenders in the Big Ten. So, Yes, absolutely. This team can can beat anybody in the country, and this offense and this approach will win games. It took a while for you and I to come around to that idea, yeah. but it, it's it's the truth. And you know, I, I've I've this was something I wanted to bring up, maybe even before the season started or after a game. I I don't remember who said it. I feel like it was a widely pretty accepted philosophy, and I just didn't understand it, and I don't agree with it. Basically, it was that. Um, Michigan is designed to beat Ohio state, but Ohio state is designed to beat the better. I, I just don't understand that. I, I like yeah. if you're good that's at football, a, that's, a coping, that's a coping mechanism. Yes. If yeah. you're good, it's because of how they played Georgia in the, in the playoff. Yeah. And yeah, they, they almost did beat them. They were a missed field goal away from playing for a national a title. Loss. I get it. But if you're good at football and the shit works, it works. I don't, I just don't understand that, that concept. So yeah, long story short, 100% this team is good enough to win it all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with what you said. And I think, yeah, we spent the first, uh, you know, we spent 2021 and 2022 thinking like, yeah, there's just an element that's missing that Michigan is going to need eventually when they get to an Ohio state or when they get into the playoffs. 
And I think we've seen over the last two years that, you know, at least in terms of conference play, their style works really well. And I think the element that they've added this year is what you have in a guy like Roman Wilson and more experience with J.J. McCarthy. And yeah, if you get up against a Washington or, or some of these other teams that have a high-octane offense, is that Michigan defense going to be, you know, is are they going to hold them to less than a touchdown? Probably not. You know, you're going to have to score some points. You're going to have to try to, you know, you're going to have to try to keep up to a, to a certain extent offensively based on what your defense can do. But by and large, yeah, I think the Michigan brand, like the way that Clatt described it, a boa constrictor, slow, methodical, takes its time, but death eventually and inevitably. Inevitable death. Inevitable death. That's what it feels like when you're playing Michigan. Like it's not happening quickly. It's not flashy. But goddamn it, by the end of the game, you're going to look up at the scoreboard and that's going to be an ass whooping. And I think we're going to see that at least until we get to week 10. And then it's going to be real interesting to see what that looks like in Happy Valley. But but to your point, to the overall question, yeah, this brand of football as is, you've got a dynamic wide receiver and a great connection between Roman Wilson and J.J. McCarthy. The running game with Blake Corum and Khalil Mullings and Donovan Edwards, it's not. it hasn't been electric. We haven't seen the big breakaway runs that, that we saw last year, but it's been good and consistent, and the offensive line is good and consistent, and the defense is one of the best in the country. As is, they can win a national championship now. I believe that, but I still believe there there's room to get better and they yeah. will get better. And so I think that's what's exciting about this football team is this brand of football. We've always trained ourselves to like you, you gotta be, you know, you gotta be throwing at 50, 60 yards down the field. You gotta be putting up 50 plus points. You've got to have highlight plays. Michigan, for the most part, doesn't have that. And so far, when you look around the country, I mean, there's they're arguably the number one team in the country. I know 12 people in the AP voted them number one, mm-hmm. and that's gone up week by week. There's no doubt that as is, they can win a national championship with this brand of football. Boa constrictor, quicksand, sumo wrestler. How are you liking these analogies, dude, these metaphors? You know, Love two it. years ago, I would have hated it, but yeah. I'm, starting to, uh, I'm starting to really embrace it, man. I, I, I like the way they play. Uh, I like the way they play football. You know, it's funny that you it's funny that you mentioned like a Washington and I'll I'll throw like a USC into that discussion too, maybe yeah. even like a like a Texas that does have a little bit more of the high octane offense, a little bit more of the vertical passing game. All right, let let's take let's take I'll take USC because I think they're the best of those three. I think Caleb Williams is an absolute game changer. He's a difference maker. But let's say they, they're used to scoring 45 a game. Well, you play Michigan, you're probably only scoring 20 or 25. Now, can you keep Michigan? from scoring 25 or more that they can't those teams they can't they at least from what i've watched i mean you're talking you know final scores 51 to 46 and 49 to 42 michigan is balanced enough to get it done on both sides at a high enough clip to where i think they're going to give all of those teams problems all those all those other teams that are you know battling right now and jockeying for position and potentially making a playoff run they're just not built that way. The closest one is Georgia, but they're like their quarterback situation is not good enough. And they don't have the high level NFL talent that they've had over the last couple of years. They're just, they're just back to earth a little bit. That's all. They're still a really good team. And I think yeah. if you put Michigan and Georgia on a neutral field right now, it would be a freaking dog fight. And I don't know who I would pick in that game, but it it's, they've come back to earth a little bit. Quarterback play is certainly down. And for Michigan, it's up. J.J. McCarthy is better now than he's ever been. 
Roman Wilson is better now than he's ever been. The running game's still there. The defense is better. Yes, Michigan can beat everybody in the country right now. It might look different in different games. It certainly would. Yeah, I'm, you know, I think you'd be lying to yourself a little bit if you weren't like, uh, I don't want to say scared, but a little like, what would it look like for Michigan to take on a Michael Penix team or a Caleb yeah. Williams? It's, it's, that's, that's tricky, but I think Michigan's got the formula. I do. I don't buy into this. Well, Ohio state's built for this, but they're not built for this. Like I, that's dumb to me. I just don't, I don't get that. All right. Um, We've talked about it a bunch. We've talked about it today. I don't want to harp on it too much. We don't need to spend a ton of time on it. I'm going to put the word worry out there at this point, though. Is there any reason to worry that Colston Loveland and Donovan Edwards have not found the end zone yet this year? Like you said, beginning of the season, we thought that's two of their best weapons. They're going to be so involved week in and week out. And I don't know if you can say that they have been. I don't, I don't think you can. I don't think you can make that statement. No, and and I think I said it earlier in the show. I'm I'm actually uh, it's puzzling, but I actually feel optimistic because I I believe that they are going to make an impact as the season goes on, and even in in the absence of either one of those guys finding the end zone this year, Michigan has been absolutely dominant. So I see no reason whatsoever to worry. If anything, I'm looking at it like Jesus, Michigan's blowing teams out. They're winning convincingly, and these two guys are pretty much at the starting line yet. Like your, your two top ponies aren't even running yet. You gotta let yeah. those boys run. And at some point they will. I just think it's going to happen. So yeah, my word, absolutely not. I'm actually, uh, I'm feeling pretty good that two of the top weapons haven't been unleashed quite yet. Let me ask you this. Is, is there any worry that you could get some, some, how would I word it? Addition by subtraction or subtraction by addition, however you want to word that meaning, if Colson Loveland suddenly scores a touchdown and Donovan does, maybe that's because we know possessions are limited. We know that they're not getting as many plays because of the new time, uh, the new clock rules and just how Michigan does it. So in other words, if, if Loveland's scoring and Donovan's scoring, maybe Blake is not, maybe the offense is, or does it matter? Does it not matter? Get in the no. end zone, whoever it is, cool. Or do you, or do you think that Blake will continue to get his and, and the offense will go to another level and these other two guys who we thought would be more involved will will start to get more involved. Yeah, that I mean that's what I think is going to happen. I because Donovan Edwards had 14 carries against Nebraska. Yeah. Any one of those carries has the potential to break free as the folks down in Columbus know all too well. And so I think that that's what we're going to see as the season goes on. I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to get more carries to try to supplement or, you know, overtake what Blake is doing. I just think one of those or two of those 14 carries are going to turn into more of what we're accustomed to from Donovan Edwards. Same goes with Colson Loveland. I, I don't think you're going to need to take away from what AJ Barner's doing. I just think Loveland, you know, in, in the the five targets that he might have, will will ultimately find the end zone as the season goes on. So yeah, I don't think it's addition by subtraction. I think it's these guys have you know have had some opportunities and it hasn't happened yet, but it hasn't affected Michigan in a negative way whatsoever. So really all that's going to happen is when they do pop off, you know, what would have been, I don't know, 34 or 40 points gets closer to 50. Like that's, that's, that's what I view out of this Michigan offense. You have two of their top contributors that haven't found the end zone yet that will yeah. inevitably get in the end zone. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a good way to put it. I think that's a good way to put it. The, the, the production should go up offensive 
output should go up when those guys get more involved. Um, Look at me, like I'm taking yeah. on that Jim Harbaugh mentality. How do I turn yeah. a negative into a positive? And to me, Chris, that's how you do it. Damn it, Chris, get better, not bitter, will you? That's, that's what I'm doing. So that's every day that's of my it. every day of that's my it. life. That's that's the struggle, Brandon. Uh, Going to the defense here, Michigan, uh, we've talked about it. Incredible start to the year. Points against this defense are, are very hard to come by. Michigan hasn't given up more than seven points in a game all season. That's the pace that I think is uh, – they're on like a 1933 pace, like the fewest games through the first five weeks since 1933 or something like that. Uh, the defense okay. is playing lights out. Here's my question. We've had it in our predictions. We've had, you know, Michigan 34 – you know, uh, Rutgers 10, you know, we, we, I think we thought Nebraska was going to put up 10 or 13 points or whatever. Michigan has not given up more than a touchdown yet through five weeks. Does that trend change this weekend in Minnesota? Does Michigan give up more than seven points to the Gophers? No, no. I, I mean, I just don't think Minnesota's that good. I, I don't think that what they want to do is going to work against Michigan's defense. It's, it's another, they're like, they're like, Michigan light like they want to do a lot of what Michigan does they want to run the ball they want to get play action involved uh they're breaking in a new quarterback for the first time in about a decade and a half so that you know they're five games in now at this point but um no I I don't I don't think it'll look I, dude you can go right down the schedule after the first three weeks I kind of look I'm like it's gonna look like this every week until you get to Penn State like every team is going to struggle to do what they want to do and Michigan like we just talked about is going to squeeze the life out of them and do what they want to do you're going to get 35 to 45 points out of Michigan and 3 to 10 out of the opponents for 8 weeks i really think yeah. that's about what it's going to look like so i'll say no i think it's going to be a very similar outcome to what we just saw in uh, in Lincoln for the same reasons I think Roman Wilson's uh, going to break Desmond Howard's record is why I'm going to say no as well for Michigan giving up more than seven points. It's because of what they've done through the first five weeks of the season. I think they're, I know they're leading the nation in scoring uh, defense. I think it's like 6.4 points per yeah. game or something Whoa. like that. Um, and again, a lot of those touchdowns or those scores are coming in garbage time. And so, yeah, I think, uh, I think we see a lot of the same. And I think the score is going to look very, very similar to what we saw in Lincoln where Michigan's putting up 40 plus and, and um, Minnesota's at, you know, a touchdown or less. And I think that was the important thing of what they did in Lincoln last week. And I think you go on the road, you go on that environment. People have some questions about your running game. People have some questions about, well, you really haven't played anybody and you go and you do something like that on the road. And even though Nebraska isn't all that great, I think that sets the tone for how they feel about what, what things are going to look like in Minneapolis. I think it's going to be another dominant performance. It's six points even, Chris. Through five games, Michigan has given up 30 points total. There you so go. Yeah. That's, that's getting it done. That's certainly getting it done. This was actually going to be my last question, but I'm going to do it now to piggyback off of this uh, Minnesota-specific question. Chris, mm. I asked it to you last week. I would assume it's going to be a very low number this week, but on my 1-10 to 10 scale, what's your worry for another road test this time against Minnesota? Zero. Dude, it's like zero it's, concern. None. It's like a, a stone cold lock that Michigan's going to win yeah. by three scores. I and I'm like. going to knock on wood because I don't want to get too cocky, too confident. Well, even though we've already established how we feel about it, has zero impact on the game yeah. itself. But uh, these guys are locked in. They've got bigger goals. They know what the the ultimate prize is, and they're taking it week by week. And and man. You know, the leadership on the team, the coaching staff, the way that they are built, 
I have all the confidence in the world that no matter who they're up against, they're they're going in there to take care of business and to make a statement. And I think, again, you ask me my concern level going into Minneapolis uh, prime time on NBC. I think Michigan's going to be looking to uh, to make another big statement. Yeah, to make another big statement on the road uh, and come back to Ann Arbor six and zero. So level of uh, concern zero. None. Um, I'm with you. I, I I think uh, I think this I think the line opened pretty close to what this last one was. I think Michigan's favorite again by about 18. If I'm not mistaken, I'm sure somebody it feels will have very that. similar. I remember like b- before before the season started, we were looking at Nebraska and Minnesota as like, ah, eh, those are two tough games on the road back to back. You know, what are things going to look like? And now that we're five weeks into the season, I think we all have a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like. It's going to look like uh, what we saw last weekend in Lincoln. Uh, that's actually a slightly worse 19 and a half. So Michigan expected yeah. to beat Minnesota even worse than they did uh, Nebraska, which, you know, the 45 to seven against Nebraska certainly probably uh, persuade uh, swayed that number just a touch, but with good reason, I'm with you zero. I don't no. think there's, you know, you talk about, Oh, it's a road game. Yeah. Michigan's better, but you know, you play this game a hundred times, you know, Minnesota get a couple. I don't think they would. I, I don't think – I think you could play this one as many times as you want to play it. It's going to be Michigan every time. I just don't know a formula that that team can – because they don't do anything different or weird enough. That yeah. you know, like, like that can be the equalizer when a team is outmatched. But they're, they're trying to do what Michigan does, but they're not as good at it in any way, shape, or form. And so, you know, in the past, they had a veteran quarterback. They had some NFL receivers. They had an NFL running back. They don't have that anymore. I, I just don't see what they're going to be able to do that that gives Michigan even a, a little bit of resistance. So I, I think it's I think it's a no brainer. I'm with you. And Jim Harbaugh, perfect three and zero against Minnesota so far in his Michigan coaching career. Um, I'm going to go away from Michigan for this last question. Okay. Uh, because look, there is a big big game happening this Saturday uh, between two. There, look, there's four unbeaten teams left in the Big Ten. Two of them are playing each other this weekend. Mm. We've got Maryland traveling to Columbus mm. to take on Ohio State. Mm. I'm just going to ask you point blank. Uh, look, we're not very high on Ohio State, and I think Maryland has been very surprising. Maryland 5-0, and Ohio State 4-0 and coming off of the bye week. Who suffers their first loss this weekend? I still think Maryland loses, but I do think it gets a little interesting. Because you know they'll they'll throw it around. They've got some speed. They've got some talent. Um, but at if if this was in Maryland, I would have a lot more to think about. But going to Columbus, I'll still give the edge to Ohio State. But I don't think it's a blowout. And and we've seen we've seen Maryland get blown out before. I don't think that happens this week. I think they're they're confident. It's probably the best they've been under Mike Loxley. Um, Talia Tagovailoa is a good quarterback, and he's veteran now. Um, he's been a veteran. I mean, he's played a lot of football, but he's he's as confident as he's ever been. They've looked pretty good. Um, but I'll I'll still take Ohio State at home, reluctantly. I wish I I wish I wish I thought otherwise, but that's that's the smart pick in my opinion. Anybody got a game time on that? When when's the kickoff time for that? I don't I don't want to use uh I don't want to use my computer. I don't want to start freezing it up. But if somebody could give me what's the kickoff time for Maryland, Ohio State? Anybody out there got that? Noon. Noon. All right, so we got a noon kickoff. Uh, By the, the way, you know, how is ahead. Maryland not ranked at all? I mean, the, listen, haters. This haters. Is, this is part part 
of where I'm going with this, Brandon. You know probably better than anybody over the last couple of years. I have been a believer in the Terps. And then going <laughs> into this season, I was like, I'm off that train. I am no longer a believer. And now, Maryland 5-0, and looking like a solid football team, going into Columbus to face Ohio State, which is coming off of a bye week, facing a broken man, Ryan Day, who's desperately trying to convince the world he's got a tough team. I'm going to say it right here. Maryland's going to go into that building and they're going to beat the Buckeyes. Wow. And it is going to be a glorious afternoon in Columbus. I'm, I can't wait to get on the show after it happens. I've got all the faith in the tag of Iowa. The offense is great. Maryland believes they can do it. And again, they're getting no respect nationally, not even ranked a perfect five and zero in one of the toughest divisions in college football. They're going to go into Columbus to make a statement. And I think they beat the Buckeyes. Chris, I want to just Give say it hurts. Vegas sees that game going the same way they see Michigan and Minnesota going. I just want to let you know, 19 and a half, same spread. Vegas, uh, Vegas has been known to be wrong from time to time. They're getting this one wrong. I bet I'd be interested to see where the money is at on that one. Like where the public has their money. I like that. Maryland by 10. Yeah. It's going to be something like that. You know, Ohio state's going to get into a situation where, you know, they make it close late. They've got an see, opportunity just, to screw it up. I just don't, see, believe that. I just don't see that happening in Columbus. If it was in Maryland, I could get much more on board with that storyline. Notre Dame is not that great of a team. I get Ohio State went on the road and beat them, but I am not a believer in Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State's a tough team. They can print T-shirts and Ryan Day can scream it at every single press conference. I'm not buying it. I think they're soft as shit. And I think as soon as Maryland goes in there and puts a few points up on the board and the crowd gets a little uneasy about it, I think things are going to shift the other way. We're pro- <laughs> Give Maryland credit. Ohio State's coming off of a bye week. I think they're going to be a little bit rusty, and I think Maryland's going to be looking to make a point. We're probably going to play this sound clip back just like we did the Urban Meyer sound clip this past week. <laughs> Ohio State State probably wins like 63 to 10 or some shit. Anyway, give me the hurt. I'm I'm with you. Give me the over. I do do think it's going to be a closer game. I would take Maryland in the 19 and a half, but I still think Ohio State's going to win. But we will play this back. Save the soundbite. Maryland. Maryland by 10. One hour and 20 minutes in. Chris going on a rant. That's a tough team. We're tough. I'd like to know, like where, like to know where Lou Holtz is at right now. He sounded where like Jerry Seinfeld. Right now? He sounded like Jerry Holtz Seinfeld right now. right now sleeping. <laughs> There's no doubt. It's 8.30 p.m., dude. In a recliner. He's in bed. No. He's in bed. No, no, no. No. Recliner. no, this man is in full body button-up pajamas in bed. He's got, like, the nightcap on with, like, the candle on the little on the yes. little tray there next to the – yeah, okay. Yeah, his 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 sleep hat with a ball is hanging next to his face. Glass of warm milk half gone. He's done, dude. He's out. Just out. Teeth in a jar next to the milk. Mm. He's, he's out, bro. Um, yeah. All right. Last but not this, you're done, right? That was your last That's one. It. That was the last one. My last one is is what we what we've been talking about kind of leading up to this point, Chris. And I, I don't know if there's an answer. So I'm I'm actually curious to hear what you say. Michigan, you know, is going to face some different kinds of teams, but not as different as what they might end up seeing if they make it to the playoff against 
say a USC or a Texas or a Washington. Chris, what will give this Michigan team fits? What out there in the football world will be trouble for this Michigan team? I do. I think it's a team like Texas, a team like Washington. I do think it's a team that, you know, has an explosive offense that can test Michigan, put their backs against the wall early, and then force this offense, quite frankly, to be in a position that it hasn't been all season where you want to get some points on the drive, but now you got to have them. You got to get the ball down the field. And that's where I think Michigan's going to be tested the most. I do think, and you made a good point earlier in the show. Yeah, if USC can go out and score, you know, 40 some points against Colorado, can they do that right. against Michigan? No, I think they can score, you know, 24, 27 points against Michigan. And I think Michigan can score 30 or 40 against the USC defense. And so that's the caveat is that for whatever they might struggle with, what they're going to see offensively, I don't think Oregon. those teams those teams have the defense to keep Michigan from doing what they want to do offensively. And so I think ultimately it, it all equals Michigan winning, but yeah, Oregon, Texas, you know, eh, I was going to say to a certain extent, Florida state, I, you still got to give Georgia their flowers because they're number one until somebody proves otherwise. But yeah, man, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like Washington get, makes me a little nervous. Mm -hmm. Texas yeah. makes me a little nervous. Georgia, Maybe it's just because of who they've been still make me a little nervous, but every single one of those teams I just listed, I think Michigan beats. And we weren't saying that two or three weeks ago. I remember specifically, we were talking Florida state, right? We were talking Texas, like neutral field who wins. And we were all, you and I were both taking whoever the other team was. And now we're going into week six and it's confidently Michigan. So again, yeah. just interesting how quickly those things can change. Yeah, I mean, it was while we were watching Michigan beat Bowling Green 30-7. You know, Green and then you've got LSU, JJ, yeah. LSU and Texas battling each other or whatever the matchup. Well, no, it was, it was who was it that? that Texas-Alabama. It was Texas-Alabama that played against it each was, other, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Florida State-LSU. Florida State-LSU. State, yeah. 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 So you know, it just looked different when you've got two teams of that caliber playing against each other than it did when Michigan was playing who they were playing, but I'm with you now after watching what they just did against Nebraska. No, Nebraska is not the class of the big 10, but it's still a big 10 team on the road. Jim Harbaugh. Again, he said it, that's the biggest, most physical team we've played and they manhandled them. They did whatever they wanted on both sides of the ball, up and down the field. Listen, Brandon, we saw it when we were in Nebraska, and we saw it when we were at the world's uh, largest truck stop uh, in Iowa. The people out there are built differently. Corn even, even, even the children look like they're, uh, you know, 6'2", 235. I mean, you're talking about eight-year-olds. Like, we, we saw them walking in uh, to the establishment there. They all looked... I, yeah, I mean, it must just be the fresh air and, and the fresh food, but there's something in something going on out there. Six a big human being. And the women covered in Aquanet. <laughs> I, I mean, careful, dude. Careful listen, now. No, no, no. Easy, Brandon. The, the, the hairdos, I thought, I, I mean, look. It was all strong. It was all very strong. I feel like it. I can I can feel I feel like I can speak on this as someone who had a mother who rocked this a little bit too long. But okay. The, okay. the teased the teased hairsprayed mm. dome. Mm. I I haven't seen one in a long time. Long time. Saw multiple at the largest truck stop in the world. Multiple. Well, if you're gonna see them, that's that's where that's you're gonna where, see them. 
that's where you'd see them. A lot of bedazzled, a lot of things bedazzled when they walked in, covered in a whole lot of gems. I mean, a lot of gems. I just, yeah, I mean, people from Nebraska, people that play football in Nebraska, people that play football in Iowa, you grow up in those states, you're around that environment. Yeah, I, I can imagine that that's, that was a big team that Michigan faced. I mean, it's probably so they can be located in the corn. They, you know, you get lost out there, you the bedazzled. Lost. You just it's eat your way shimmer. out. No, it's oh, shim- I thought you were talking about the size. <laughs> no, the bedazzled, it's shimmering in the, in the mm. moonlight. You can mm. find them. Mm. The, uh, yeah. There, there may be some fumes coming off of the hairspray. I mean, could be. it could be, it could be a survival tactic. I don't know what it's for, but I saw it and it was weird. That's, that's all I know. Like a whole flock of Iowa fans came running in that place. Like, yeah, because home. as we were driving back from Nebraska, the the Michigan State, I, what? Shout out to the Spartans, by the way. What a sad looking <laughs> semi truck that was on the way home. We couldn't even tell if that was uh <laughs> was not aware that my mom was in here tonight easy easy we did uh we did pass the michigan state football equipment semi-truck on the way home after they had lost lost to iowa and what a sad looking semi-truck that was we we weren't even sure if that was the actual equipment truck or if that was like somebody's homemade (laughs) version of an equipment truck because it just looked so bad but yeah, what a uh, and then you know and then you know what we passed. Uh, yep, there it is. Relentless, relentlessly Relentless. losing. But yeah. you know what we passed further down the road and much much further ahead, the Michigan equipment truck. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful rig going down the road. And Brandon, after spending twenty two hours on the road with you this weekend, I feel like I got some pretty good insight into what it's like to be a truck driver. And uh, I got to be honest, I'm not interested. You don't want anything to do with that. Nothing nope. to do with that. That is a lifestyle. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Trucking well, isn't trucking isn't a profession. It's a lifestyle. It really is. Uh, Chris, you actually, if if you Google like truck stop trucker body, it's like a thing. They, yeah. they like yeah. They turn into like. Dude, you sit for that. I feel like I got a little trucker body going on right now. It was a long weekend, but hey. We made it through. We made it through this show. Hour and a half tonight on a Monday, Chris. Yeah, we uh, we really did well on the uh, the burning questions segment. We're like, can we keep it under uh, 30 minutes? No, we actually went an hour on it. How about 45 minutes on burning questions? All right. It is what it is. Go upstairs and eat some food, watch some Monday Night Football, and talk to you people again on Wednesday. Chris, as always, brother, we saw a lot of each other this weekend. I wasn't we sure show was going to happen we just you know yep. we needed a break there was windows were coming down and back up for various reasons it's a lot another another reason you were almost tfg i left that one out brandon for a damn minute okay, okay. all right let's, you want to go down this rabbit hole let's do it i'm happy we were, in, we were in the vehicle for 22 plus hours and one chris Bryler has the nerve to say that he didn't break wind one time i didn't i swore on my children this is an egregious statement it might be but it's the truth the reason that that happened was because brandon on the other side within you know inches of me is breaking wind left and right and 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 not putting the window down because he's waiting well you did once but then First you stopped time. because I pointed it out because I was like, okay, you know, stop shitting your pants over there. And I thought that would be the end of it. But your solution to it was keep the window up, let them go silently, and then wait and see if I notice. 
Which, and me over here. Which you didn't. <laughs> That's That makes it even worse. That makes it even worse because within that confined space, Brandon, at least 10% of that air quality was Brandon Brown. Well, And I'm breathing that in. And, qu and quite a quality it is, sir. I did, Raymond. I waited until I got to the world's largest truck stop to do what I needed to do. Brandon, on the other hand, it was a free-for-all the entire ride. Well, then he's he's crop-dusting women and children. I mean, I just, I don't no, know. No, 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 I, no, no. I was in the restroom. Eh, now you I were. I told you, the runs has got to me. <laughs> you don't got to believe it, Brandon, but that's the truth. That's the truth. Air biscuits, let them free. Let them free, Chris. Egregious. Between that, the Nickelback, the karaoke, oh. thriving during a global pandemic, I, I you know, or, or, or not, or, no, I almost said Nazi outbreak. <laughs> not a not a Nazi outbreak, a zombie, a zombie outbreak. Nazis and I. Listen, listen, bro. I would thrive if there was a Nazi outbreak. Well, not, not, I do well there too, Brandon. <laughs> I would thrive in a zombie apocalypse. We've been over it. I'm making a list. I'm checking it twice. All right. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. I'm out of here. Uh.